Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Roald Dahl Retrospective, where we take a look back on Roald Dahl's adaptations based off of his books and shorts. And for those of you who are surprised to see an episode of this, uh, we're kind of surprised too, because uh, we actually took a journey to Great Miserden, that is the place where Roald Dahl uh, created some of his works, and also where his resting place currently is. And uh, so um, we just thought we were going to visit there as tourists, but uh, after going there, we pretty much had enough basically to do uh, a podcast on this, so that's obviously what we're doing right now. Yeah, so we decided to do this for quite a while now. I mean, we've actually been planning on this for the past year or so when I was coming over to England for the second time to visit my wonderful sweetheart. And we decided that we were going to do that as either like the first thing or the last thing that we did on our trip to London. And we decided that due to the weather that uh, permitted us for us to go have a very nice beach day. So yes, we did have our second beach episode. And then, woo. <laughs> woo! and then we went to London and spent the remaining two days over there. And then finally, on our last day, when we were driving back to Manchester, we decided, let's stop by Great Missenden and let's go look at the Roald Dahl Museum. And we were there about 30 minutes early. So we decided to just walk around and see what was able to, you know, pass our time. And the first thing we decided to do was we decided to go over to Roald Dahl's gravestone. Yeah, and uh, I have to say that uh, this uh, cemetery is uh, was well quite unusual for myself because this is actually based on a hillside. So the uh, the actual gravesite itself isn't actually flat; it's actually kind of like curving down uh, downwards. And so um, it was um, quite an unusual sight for myself. But uh, I mean, I guess you could say that Roald Dahl, I guess, was a pretty unusual guy. I guess you could say yeah. so. Maybe it was uh, very fitting. But uh, he's actually got like you know a, a stone slab that's actually uh, reaching like you know from uh, the bottom to the top of the grave, and it has his name on it. It also has like a uh, very uh, has a symbol on the top of it and uh, also uh, you know apparently people were leaving actually pennies uh, actually on top of his grave because uh, people wanted to see it being actually being people taking care of the grave site so I guess they've been leaving donations over there as well just uh, so that so you know the uh, the groundskeeper over there can continue like putting flowers there and uh, continue taking care of it so uh, but mind you I reckon like I don't know if like the Roldal family is still maintaining his uh, his resting place I'm not too sure yeah I'm not but. too sure either but it was really nice for fans of Roldal to actually like you know put in like a little trinket of appreciation at least and i was the only one who put in like you know american currency over there just to show about like you know how far i was willing to go just to you know visit the grave of uh, one of my favorite children's authors yeah so yeah i think that the the church itself was really nice um we actually went over to a church that uh, we saw when we were on our trip to salisbury and it was like an abandoned church that has been like you know hasn't had like um a service for like who knows how long and it was still intact because of donations and uh unlike you know that church the church that Roldal was buried in is still active we were actually like we wanted to take a look around but then there was actually people there having a meeting and we decided not to disturb it yeah because uh, it was like i mean it's still a church that's still in use to this day yes, so it like is. i mean it still has like you know parishioners and things like that so uh, we decided not to disturb them so we just kind of like went in i like peek through the door and then after that it's a very nice church by the it way, is a so. very nice church yeah and for those who are wondering it is the parish of saint paul and saint Peter so yeah all you have to do when you when you first enter in Great Missenden they actually have courtesy to leave maps around so that if you're interested in looking around the village you can be able to see all the major attractions that they have over there so I mean let's start with Great Missenden itself it's, it's a small little village that uh, you know has uh, you know a uh, lovely little houses and uh, it's uh, you know you would not think in a million years that it would be host to you know a museum of uh, someone you know as uh, as big and as inspiring and as like you know large as the world I mean we went to the Charles Dickens 
Games Museum, uh, for example, like, you know, it's a big townhouse in London, and, uh, you know, you go through there, and, like, you know, it is a massive, little, you know, museum compared to, you know, uh, that's in the middle of London, so, like, it's, uh, you know, you, you expect to see something like this, you know, probably in London, like, the Royal Dahl Museum or something like that, but no, it is actually in Great Midsford, and, you know, you have to uh, travel uh, quite significantly out to get there, and uh, the one thing I will say, though, about the, uh, the Royal Dahl Museum itself is that it's not just about the museum, this is about the actual village itself, because when you first enter into Great Missenden, you realise that you're in Roald Dahl territory, like, uh, you know, all of his inspiration is everywhere, wherever it's, uh, let's first start off with, like, the library first, to start yes. off with it, because the library itself is actually very important, because this is where, uh, in Roald Dahl's story, that Matilda went to that library in order to basically to get her interest in books, while her, her mother went, you know, 10 miles uh, down the road to uh, go take the bingo, and so, um, you know, that in itself is very important. Absolutely. So if you've ever read the book of Matilda, it would say about that she walked uh, a long distance so that she can be able to go over to the library in Great Missenden, while her mom would travel about 10 miles in Aylesbury so she can play bingo. And we saw the actual library, where, which was the inspiration for Matilda herself. Unfortunately, the library was closed on the day that we were there, so we were not able to go inside the building yeah, itself. Yeah, that's so unfortunate. Like, you know, there's a... Um, funny enough, the museum itself is not open on, like, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. And uh, so the museum is open on the Thursdays and the Fridays. And, and the weekends. the weekends as well. Yes. But, you know, the, the, the museum itself, if you went on a Thursday, you couldn't, like, either... So if you went either, like, on a... Uh, a weekday, basically, you'd have to have a choice of whether you actually went into the library or you actually went into the museum. So, like, uh, yeah, unfortunately, not all are open at the same time, unless you kind of go on the weekend, but then the weekend's going to be busy, isn't it? So. Yeah, of course, absolutely. But it was nice to see that it wasn't like a grand library like you would expect, but it was just a small library. Yet at the same time, that was where the character of Matilda was able to gain all of her knowledge, where she read so many books by Charles Dickens, by Ernest Hemingway, by John Steinbeck and from so many other people it was a small quaint little library and it makes a lot of sense considering that you know Great Missenden itself was a small village but it was really nice to see that inspiration another inspiration we were able to see during our walk was uh, the petrol station that was the inspiration for Danny the champion of the world yeah and by the way um, it is still like in the original form but unfortunately when we got there apparently May of this year somebody stole like you know the tops of like the uh, uh, the gas pumps on yes. there and so like you know uh, if anyone has information on retrieving those please could you tell let them know and uh, you know so they can basically they can restore you know the uh, the monument because quite frankly I think I think it's just disgraceful what's happened to that and uh, but uh, mind you we still got pictures of it anyway it still looks like a grand site and uh, but uh, you know obviously that uh, you know that vandalism I think is just uh, you know, uncalled for in my opinion and you know just leave stuff alone you exactly know, like, it's, yeah it's a piece of history seriously yeah and they even had like a tummy Cheek, uh, a tongue-in-cheek joke about like you know this place hasn't been open since um you know we stopped having like one pound per gallon on you know petrol and uh you're not gonna get your your you know you're not gonna be able to you know get cash from here um you know the 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 guy who runs the station is out for lunch permanently or something like that yeah i think you know back in the day it probably was a gas station but you know now i mean like from what we can see it looks like an office building now yeah exactly yeah and if it, and if this was the inspiration where uh, Roald Dahl got for Danny the Champion of the World in which Danny and his father w ran a garage slash uh, petrol station then that's probably where it was in the beginning yeah 
And so um, we then finally, after we'd done all of that, we uh, finally entered the Roald Dahl Museum. And, uh, you know, so uh, first, the thing that you get off uh, when you first get in there, first of all, there's the gift shop that you can go and you mingle around. But to be honest with you, I would say leave that till last. You know, you know, obviously you'll get a chance to kind of purchase things after the after the day. But when you purchase the tickets, this is really interesting that they told us that you, the ticket that we currently have right now lasts one year. So uh, if you buy the tickets within, you know, within, the, you know, within the 12 months, you can revisit the museum as many times as you want within that year. Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. I think it is. And something that we're going to be talking about a little later is that the museum itself is not just for you know people who are fans of Roald Dahl, but it's for people so that they can be able to gain the you know inspiration and knowledge for people who want to do writing or anybody who wants to do anything creative. Yeah. And so, so um, when we first walked in, the first thing that you uh, are told about is obviously, you know, uh, the, the great the great mouse uh uh, plot and so you learn about that story and also on top of that you also get to see some very old photographs of like you know World Doll doing all sorts of things I think the one intriguing thing well, there was two uh, intriguing photographs that I loved the first one was uh, of Roald Dahl and Ernest Hemingway obviously they they you know walking with, along the side of each other that was a, you know, imagine if they collaborated at one point that oh, would have been man. very interesting that would have been really interesting I mean you have Roald Dahl with um, you know his uh, eccentric you know creativity and then you have Ernest Hemingway who you know basically has like a lot of social commentary because you know he went through war and all that kind of stuff but you know so did Roald Dahl so I'm sure it would have not been like his children's uh, book inspiration it probably would have been like pre James and the Giant Peach or you know around the time in which he was doing things like You Only Live Twice or um, you know even his an anthology series which you know by the way you know while we were just like you know hanging around uh, throughout this week we actually like ca caught a glimpse of like one of the episodes of uh, Roald Dahl's Tales of the Unexpected and it played all very similar to like Alfred Hitchcock Presents where Roald Dahl is like sitting on his chair and he's introducing what the story is going to be about. Yeah, we came off by the chance when we were like uh, watching TV but so, I mean, that was not the Roald Dahl Museum by the way. Yeah, so, I know yeah. it's not in the Roald Dahl Museum but I just thought it was kind of like an interesting kind of like foreshadowing of what we were going to be doing. Yeah, so um, we you get to see, by the way, one of the pictures I thought was very fascinating was the one with uh, when he was with Walt Disney. Yeah, yeah, so that was when they were collaborating with the Gremlins book. Yeah, like, you know, I'm really surprised because, you know, like uh, given the fact that Walt Disney, you know, had a very you know, interesting relationship with uh, uh, with Roald Dahl. I mean, like, I'm really surprised that more Roald Dahl works never ended up under the Disney banner. Like, that would have been really interesting. Yeah, like, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm really surprised that, you know, after that, because you know that Roald Disney had, like, you know, when he had relationships with other people, somewhere down the line, they would be to become Disney shows or, you know, features or films or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, Roald Dahl is sort of kind of eluded Disney in some in some ways, you know, like, you know, some other, uh, you know, because the, the big Matilda movie was done by Barrow Wilson and Danny DeVito. I don't think that was done under the Disney banner. I don't it was think. not. It's, no. uh, it's and done Fantastic Mr. Fox wasn't done under the Disney banner either. It was, it was Fox. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, technically now, I mean, you could say that, you know, they it are under the Disney banner. Technically, but, <laughs> but be only because it's owned by Fox. But, you know, they, they weren't, you know, you, you think that these were stories that, you know, Walt Disney may have attempted while he was alive. You yeah, thought. exactly. I mean, the only thing that we've had were obviously the 1996 adaptation of James and the Giant Peach and obviously the 2016 adaptation of the BFG. But that happened decades after Roald Dahl's death. Exactly, yeah. And, and you, like, you know, it wasn't exactly like, you know, Roald Dahl was going to go up to, uh, you know, uh, Walt Disney and say, you know, hey, you ever thought of, like, doing, like, you know, a whimsical animated vision of 36 hours? <laughs> I don't think, that I was don't think so. But, uh, you know, but seriously, um, that whole, the first room, I thought, was very good because it gives you, like, a, a, an outline of what, what, what Roald Dahl was about, like, what was it in a thinking, things like that. Uh, the next uh, w room, which is the Soho room, uh, that gives you an insight into, like, his personal 
professional uh, life a little bit. Like, you know, his time as being a fighter pilot. The fact that at one point he was too tall, they all thought was to be a fighter pilot, and he had to, like, you know, fly with, like, you know, the roof up. And at one point he nearly, you know, he nearly, nearly died, I guess you could yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and right before we go into more in details about the Soho Room, uh, we were looking at pictures of, like, Roald Dahl's childhood about, like, you know, he had a really close relationship with his mother because, you know, his father passed away at a very young age. Uh, more information about that, go listen to our podcast on Roald and Beatrix. But, yeah, it showed off, like, you know, he was very close with his mother. He had his siblings with him. And you get to see, like, you know, pictures of him in his school uniform and, and you know, just like mentioned before about the, the tale of the, the Dirty Mouse where they played a trick on the person who ran the candy shop because, you know, she was, like, really mean and nasty towards the boys. And that's where the inspiration of Miss Trunchbull came from. And also, you know, his love of chocolate, which would go carry on into Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But, yeah, going into the Soho room, this was talking about, like, when he was an RAF pilot during World War II. And there's actually a recording of um, his daughter... Re recollecting on you know hearing about the time in which her dad was in the RAF and when his plane crashed and when he was severely injured I mean we even knew about um, all the the stuff that he actually kept in his desk which we'll get into in a minute but I gotta imagine like um, all the things that he had to go through as an RAF pilot like 16 soldiers were trained under his group and out of all of them only three survived including him and he shot down five planes during his time time in the RAF. Yeah. I know one time that he was flying over Libya and uh, he had to crash land in the desert and uh, I couldn't imagine you know, being so severely injured. Like, he was blind uh, effectively and, uh, you know, he didn't recover from his blindness until later on and also, like, some of the uh, injuries he got from that crash, like, uh, he carried on so, like, you know, until the day of his death yeah. effectively. And so, like, uh, you know, that was a scary experience to do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially with, um, you know, what we actually saw on his table around his writing room. But, you know, again, we'll get to that later. Uh, another thing that was in that room Room was the original door of the gypsy house the gypsy house was a place where he lived in um, you know like around his early years of writing his books and then he went over to the caravan and then over to another place uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later but uh, yeah he was able to do some really creative things during his years working on you know various books and we actually got to see the original door of that and apparently it was painted the actual color that it was from in the um, you know originally and I thought that that was actually really fascinating and then I believe that there were some other things that were like posted up where you get to you saw the badges that he earned during World War II he earned four of them yeah, there were medals actually yeah the yeah. medals that's what I meant to say yeah there were medals and also you get to see like uh, his helmet and again going into that discussion where his daughter was like looking at the helmet and she was like you know I rem it reminded me of the time that my father was in the war and all those horrible things that he went through so yeah it's, it's just really fascinating that you, you get to see his helmet that he wore as an RAF pilot. Mm -hmm. I mean, all I mean, the fact that he was, uh, you know, someone who went through the war, I think, uh, in itself is uh, very fascinating in itself because, like, you know, you would think that would be something that would kind of rob you a little bit of your innocence, but, uh, you know, and don't get me wrong, like, you know, Roald Dahl has gone to some dark places in his creative works, but uh, at the same time, like, you know, you can still see, like, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, he became, you know, uh, an author of, you know, children's books that's created more, you know, fantasical elements. I really thought that, you know, he would have 
have been, you know, that would have changed his character a little bit. But funnily enough, he didn't. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he already went through a lot of other stuff. Like, you know, his dad died at a very young age. His uh, older sister died from appendicitis. And he hated going over to the school that he went to because he was away from his mom. And, you know, he was miserable because of all the teachers who abused him. And the only time in which he was able to find some remote of happiness was when he was with his friends. They went to the candy shop. They would go out exploring into the woods and he would just be like working on his creativity as a writer. And, you know, obviously, like even past the war, he went through a lot of struggles. You know, his daughter died, um, you know, from uh, the measles. His only son was in a severe car accident. And so and also, you know, not to mention that, you know, he had a major a, a really horrible divorce from his first wife, Patricia Neal. And then eventually, you know, he had his relationship with Lissy Doll and then he got married to her. So, yeah, he went through a lot of ups and downs. Now, uh, by the way, um, we're going to put a bit of a warning on this because um, we uh, we're going to just say that we met somebody who was in uh, Great Missenden, and uh, we're not going to name who this person is nope. because uh, we promised that. And uh, but uh, we we met somebody who actually knew uh, Roald Dahl in Great Missenden. Now, uh, um, this person told us that uh, you know Roald Dahl was difficult, but he was brilliant. Yeah, and- it makes a lot of sense considering of what kind of person Roald Dahl was. I mean, it, Roald Dahl is the kind of guy who is like really stickling and knowing exactly what he wants. We already talked about this ad nauseum with Charlie and uh, with Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory and with the witches. And the fact that the BFG and Danny the Champion of the World were the only adaptations that he liked because they were sticking like ad nauseum, like verbatim close to the book. It makes a lot of sense that he was a really difficult person to work with. And yeah, this person was, you know, basically saying that, yes, Roald Dahl was very difficult, but he was brilliant at the same time. So I, it, it makes a lot of sense with who his character was. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, um, so continuing on with the museum. So uh, Soho uh, room, you know, you finally, you get, you know, you got the gypsy door uh, in front of there. So like uh, you then uh, go past that and then you actually get to see like a week creation of the, uh, the the room within the gypsy house and so you get to see everything and by the way uh, on his table he keeps like you know the the piece of femur that was removed after the crash and he keeps that on there and apparently according to the doctor that's like the biggest piece of bone he's ever removed yeah yeah and i'm surprised actually he's managed to keep it because i remember the story of uh, when uh, mick Frawley lost his ear and uh, he was asking for it and uh, the, this was in europe and she just like uh, the woman didn't really understand english the nurse didn't really understand english so she just threw it in the trash Oof. and uh, that was like you know and then just said something in like in a different uh language and then just moved away so like uh, i'm quite surprised that you know uh that, that i heard that story and then hear that you know somehow Roald Dahl was able to like you know get back from the doctor like the piece of his femur that they had removed that's yeah. crazy and apparently you can actually see the scarring of osteoarthritis in there another thing that he kept in his desk was shave was shavings of his spine yeah, I didn't know that either, actually, until you pointed that out to me. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And, and you know, there's, there was, like, the, some normal stuff in there. Like, there was, like, a little model plane that was a reminder of his work in World War Two, And there was also a uh, um, an aluminum roll ball of every candy wrapper he has ever eaten. 
Yeah, and on top of that, like, uh, there was also, like, he, they even kept the original telephone from, like, you know, the original Gypsy House, including the wiring, which I thought, wow. The, uh, the Royal Dog, gave got across the Royal Dog Museum, they went to every painful aspect to, like, you know, recreate the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, room. the, the room that she, that he was in. And I think that was, uh, that was incredible detail that they, they put into that. And I was just fascinated by just looking at it. Like, I, I even took a panoramic of, like, you know, the whole, the whole thing. And, uh, and then I'm going to be watching, you know, looking at that again, you know, from time to time and saying, oh, wow, look at this amazing thing that they did. Yeah. And, yeah. Not, and, and of course, there was some other stuff. There was, like, pictures of his family. There was his glasses. There was no cards. There was his, um, you know, notebook with his, um, you know, pencil and pen. Uh, there was like so many things in that room. And of course there's the chair, the iconic chair that had a, that was customized for him to stay comfortably. And it also even had like, um, you know, various other things as well. But, um, yeah, I'm looking at the picture right now and it, it was like modeled almost exactly how it was in the gypsy room where, you know, he had his writing room. He was able to write all of his famous books. Um, they even kept the radiator as well. If you know, that's, yes. that's in the picture. They even kept the original windows were in there too. Like mm -hmm. uh, that's all in there, and uh, also just like all the pictures and like you know all of his like his memories and everything like that. That's all in there too. Yep. And also you know the chair. I mean, for those of you who don't understand the chair, so if you've ever watched uh, Wes Anderson Fantastic Mr. Fox, like you know he has like you know the uh, the living chair and uh, it has wheels on it, and also like uh, he customized the uh, the chair to have like this kind of like border on it. And uh, if you notice that uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox when he's on there, he um, you know, you notice that so, you know, he does all his planning, all his drawing on on that as well, and so like uh, they did that as like you know, a reference to the way that uh, Roald Dahl creates his drawing. So if you've seen uh, Mr. Fox on that chair, that's how Roald Dahl basically made all of his creations. Yeah, basically. and speaking of Wes Anderson and Fantastic Mr. Fox, then the next room that we went over to was basically a showcase of all of the movie adaptations based off of his books. Well, before we get to that, like because uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox uh, thing is not actually within you know the next bit that's actually within the story activity center okay so that's for all the kids the kids everything but mind you i think we should actually focus on that because that's actually the iconic piece of the uh, museum in my opinion that's what you know you've come to to actually go see it the wes anderson models are actually in this glass case and uh, they have uh, mr fox in his hall and uh, you've got mrs fox next to it as well like can you just see the the amazing like you know we were talking about this in the world's retrospective the, the amount of amazing painful detail that they did to like you know make you believe in these anthropomorphic Foxes that you know, and it's like these somewhat real environments, and like uh, you know, you can just seeing them up close now gives you a real appreciation for like uh, how painful it must have been to like move all these characters around, keeping the detail on there as well, making sure like you, know, you can see that you know the uh, the fur was moving around you know during the time that it was in. You, you can see how difficult it was to like you know keep that like you couldn't exactly move and then comb it back into place and everything like that. That must have been so difficult to do. Oh yeah, but, you know it, you know just lo looking at now, looking at the models up close, and you know getting to be you know up and close with like a part of like uh, you know I consider like cinematic history like I think it's I think it's incredible I to do look too at that. and we even saw in the back of the display that Wes Anderson went over to Great Missadim and he was able to like visit Lissy Doll and learn everything about Roald Dahl and about himself so that he can be able to craft it into Fantastic Mr. Fox and even though that Fantastic Mr. Fox only in the first third of the movie it sticks to the book while everything else is just like 
partially made up. I mean, mostly focusing on well, like he's, a, he's, he basically took creative license. Yeah, he took a lot of creative licenses, even like taking some cues from Danny the Champion of the World. But at the same time, we even said this, and even you guys said this on your votes that Fantastic Mr. Fox was the best role doll adaptation, and we can see that from the creativity that Wes Anderson was able to craft with going over to Great Missedon, talking to Lissy Doll, getting all the feedback, and. Look where it came from that. Yeah. And uh, one of the other attractions that's actually in the Rod Doll Museum, which I pointed out, is the fact that, uh, you know, um, out of the both the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and the Johnny Depp version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that takes center stage in the Soho exhibit. And, uh, you know, like, uh, rightly so, because, like, you know, I would say that uh, the, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory version probably of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, funny enough, is probably, like, you know, the more faithful adaptation, I think, of that story it is. than the Willy Wonka version. And, uh, they they do make reference to the Willy Wonka version. Don't they get do. us wrong, but like you know, it's just like it's just a picture of Gene Wilder, effectively, and like. But he doesn't make any mentions of that. The one thing I thought they would usually say, you know, in that museum. By the way, like I get this is a museum for all ages. I get all of that, but I would have thought that they would have like included that. You know, this is a version of uh, Willy Wonka that World Doll did not agree with. I'm really surprised they didn't include that in the museum. I'm surprised too. And even with all the clips that we saw of all the adaptations, they did show Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory, but they also showed things like. Tilda, they showed um, Danny the Champion, great, uh, yeah, Danny the Champion of the World, and um, unfortunately, like a lot of the information on a lot of the movies were pretty vague. Yeah, that's one thing I will say about it. Like, you know, I would have liked to have seen a bit more explanation of, like, you know, how, you know, here's the things that Roald Dahl had as his creations, and this is how he felt about them. I think if uh, a lot of people had uh, realized that, I think that, you know, the Johnny Depp version is probably more what uh, Roald Dahl thought more than the uh, than the Gene Wilder version, I think, you know, that would have been some interesting context to put in there, I would have I would have imagined. Yes. You know, have an explanation of why, you know, like, because uh, I'm sure people are going to be walking away from that museum, I would have probably imagined and say that, oh, the reason why the Johnny Depp version is getting more premise is because like you know that's the newest movie and that's what the kids likely would have seen whereas like you know but I guarantee you that most young people have probably seen still seen the Gene Wilder version of Willy Wonka and the Foster Factory especially after he died recently as absolutely. well absolutely yeah even though that the movie is over 50 years old and even though that it's not exactly as authentic to the book as say you know Charlie and the Chocolate Factory directed by Tim Burton it's still the most beloved out of all I of them. would say that you know the Gene Wilder version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and the Wizard of Oz are probably like the two movies that probably kids definitely seen absolutely yes because it had that whimsical fantasy element that really drew you in you had the colors you had the iconic music you had the characters you had this really interesting storyline about a down on his luck kid who finds the golden ticket is able to go over to this chocolate factory and meet up with this wonderful guy who's just out of his mind i mean it's, it's something that a lot of people still gravitate to this day it's you know transcended through many generations the one thing i will say though about so the gene wilder version i mean uh, they did keep the gates so the gates are there in the front of the fa- in, in, in the in the, in the yes but, but that's from the that's not from the the um the gene wilder version that's from the uh johnny depp version is it from the johnny depp version it is because originally they those gates that we saw when you first enter into the royal doll museum they were going to actually um, well, here's the thing. The, 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 the gates that we saw in the original uh, Johnny Depp movie, they were going to use that, you know, as their gates for the Roald Dahl Museum, but it was way too big. And so they decided, okay, we're going to make our own customized, you know, gates that kind of looks a little bit like the gate that you have over there. But um, yeah, the, the ones that we did, was, was able to see, um, is more closer aligned with like the gates that we saw in that version, which I thought was really interesting 
interesting because you have all the colors of it. I mean, you have the iconic purple and yellow colors that matches up with Willy Wonka. And I think that uh, we were able to get a, like a picture of it and we were able to like, um, you know, see the comparisons between the two. It, it looks different, admittedly, but that's because, again, the gates that was used in the movie was way too big for the museum. So Warner Brothers made them a gate that was akin to like what they would get for the museum. Well, that's pretty cool, actually, when you think about it. Warner Brothers actually be really nice to the uh, World Art Museum. Like, yeah. yeah, I guess so. I don't think they'd be that charitable to now, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, considering about what's going on. Yeah, they probably thought we asked for them back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we need to pay off the taxes. Yeah, yeah. anyway, that, that, that aside. Um, so, um, you know, uh, so the, the fact that they put more emphasis on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory over Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I think, you know, I think you know, Roald Dahl himself probably would have liked that. I agree. I, I would imagine. And uh, anyway, I'm just, I'm just speculating here. I mean, but, we, we, we I mean, kind of already but, speculated that when we talked about the 2005 version in our retrospective. Yeah, the one thing I would have liked to have seen them do more of Inky Bit is, like, don't get me wrong, they did make a mention to it, and that is the Cosgrove Fall version of the BFG. Yes, like, we, we there was by, a by, mention By the way, it. actually, actually, I'm aware, there's no mention of the Disney BFG in the, in it's, the, in the museum. It's not there. Wow, I mean, uh, I, I'm really surprised, given that that's the, that's the you know, the late, not the latest Roald Dahl, you know, creation. It's but, Matilda, but it, even... Yeah, Matilda, yeah. Yeah, Matilda the musical, we did see a lot of the posters for it. We we did, yeah, and uh, I mean, like, there's a lot of uh, references to Matilda in, uh, in 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 Great Bizard in itself, let alone like you know uh, the Royal Doll Museum. Yeah, uh, and, and even Matilda the musical is still playing in London. It is actually, yeah. Actually, we walked past it actually when we were going to do it. We uh, did. Yeah, but we didn't watch it unfortunately. We decided to watch Spinning Image the musical. It, uh, it was actually a lot of fun. It, it was a lot of fun. And uh, by the way, we but we've sort of seen you know because uh, the one thing I think we would have loved to have done if we had more time in London was to compare you know the actual musical itself to the 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 movie and see which one we would have preferred but uh, I mean unfortunately we didn't have enough time and we didn't, yeah. have, we didn't have enough money so. <laughs> London is expensive London is expensive that's one thing I warned you about when uh, we yes, I first you warned went. me and I felt it and now my wallet is pretty much empty and crying Yeah, your, your wallet is on fire <laughs> and, 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 and we're, we're having to try and put it out yes but anyway that aside yeah, I mean like, I, I, Matilda I, would... I think is uh, I mean it does take precedence in the in the museum in Great Mizzardon because it's the one and also on top of that as well like and by the way this is just a massive coincidence to anybody who fi finds this out first there is a cafe that is actually called matilda's now um according to one of the people who works there apparently it's not called matilda's because it's named after you know the the story character apparently the person who previously owned it was originally named matilda and therefore obviously it was called uh, matilda's well cafe. I, I thought it was her daughter was named matilda i think probably yeah and so yeah i think that was that the story that's it, what well, it was it, yeah but it's more of a family connection to someone who's called Matilda rather than actually being you know named after the character but you know the current owner basically has stuck with it and therefore you know obviously why wouldn't you because obviously it's great president so yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah and going into what you were saying before about like you know there wasn't a lot of information regarding about Roald Dahl's thoughts on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory there was rarely any mention of the witches. Like that was another movie that was around when he was alive, and we. To would be honest with you, though, like you know, given the fact that you know the first movie had the uh, the botched ending, as we know, which you know not yes. many people like, and the fact that the other movies basically just you know were um, oh what's her name, a Renata Ryder, not Renata Ryder, uh, who was who played the who played the Grand High Witch? In are, the... are you talking about the old one or the new one? The new one. Oh, and and, and Hathaway. Given the fact it was Anne Hathaway, like you know, with too many glasses of wine, I think you know I, I don't know how. A 
appropriate, I think, you know, uh, uh, by the way, that's just a joke. Uh, you know, I don't know how appropriate, you know, uh, any of the witch movies, I think, would have been in there. By the way, I don't think the witches actually was, like, the the big, you know, uh, because obviously we know what the big ones are. We know it's Fantastic Mr. Fox. We know it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. We know it's Matilda. We know it's the BFG. I think those are the big four, I think, when it comes to Roald Dahl. And there was mention of the Great Mouse plot, and there was mention of, like, you know, other Roald Dahl works. But I don't think the witches, are, you know, at least in my opinion, well, it wasn't my favorite, you know, uh, Roald Dahl story. It wasn't my, my favorite either, yeah. I mean, you would, and also you would expect James and the Giant Peach to t- also take like a major um, presence in the museum because that was the first children's book he has ever written. The one written. thing I'm noticing here, anything besides the BFG, but by the way, they make reference of the of the Cosgrove Hall BFG, but uh, I've noticed that most of the Disney stuff, like whether it's James and the Giant Peach and whether it's, uh, you know, uh, the BFG. BFG, or whether it's, uh, you know, some of the other works that, you know, Roald Dahl has done in conjunction with Disney, they don't seem to take precedence in the, uh, in the Roald Dahl Museum at all. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, in the gift shop, we did see the DVDs of it, but that was pretty much it. Yeah, like, I mean, they don't even make much reference into the museum. I don't know if that's a copyright thing or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, something else. I don't know. Maybe they had a disagreement with Disney about some of the, you know, the exhibits they probably would have Which done. is kind of ironic considering that Roald Dahl I, had a close connection with Disney. let's be honest, like, if, if Disney did have, like, some, like, you know, relics of, like, you know, of Roald Dahl, do you think they're going to give them to the Roald Dahl Museum? I guarantee they're, they're a Disney World somewhere. Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, you would have think that maybe very similar to like Fantastic Mr. Fox we could have seen like the original stop motion of James and the Giant Peach like maybe of James and the insects themselves and the peach like that would have been really great to have as an addition to the museum I don't know maybe Randy Newman scared them off I don't know <laughs> but I mean uh, so um, yeah no mention, not much mention of James and the Giant Peach uh, in this and uh, I mean who knows maybe they, maybe they might change it all around at some point maybe they might uh, say oh hey if uh, James and the Giant Peach becomes a thing again maybe they probably will put exhibits in the, in the museum so uh, who, who knows at this point but uh, the one thing I will say to everybody is that uh, just like you know the the village of Great Mister in itself, it is a very small museum. It is very small. We got yeah. in. We got like past it within like the the like thirty minutes. Yeah, and uh, you know, and the, I had to. The only reason it ended up being longer is because I took a bathroom break. So like <laughs> you know, uh, I took a bathroom break. I then came back out. We did like the rest of the we did, like the second half of the museum, and then that was it. Yeah. yeah. And then there was also some other stuff that we were able to see, which again, this is mostly for the children, and this is a thing that was a major thing for this museum and for Great Missed in itself. It's uh, a post- by the way, one more thing I want to mention actually about the, uh, the, the the school children going there. There's somebody there and I was listening in. She knows her stuff about Roald Dahl and uh, you know, it was uh, it was a shame that we, we didn't get time to do this but uh, one thing we really were interested to see about was the fact that we still have this mystery over the 1972 version of James and the Giant Peach and uh, the person that was there, I would have been very interested to actually ask about her. Like, you know, does she know about like, you know, the, the 1972 version or whether Roald Dahl even approved of it you know given the fact that like what was uh, what was uh, Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory that was 1970 that was 1971 that was 1971 so th- this version came a year after well it, technically the, the the BBC version is 1976 so sorry I it, do came, it came out five years, years later the, so I was interested to see if uh, I mean maybe Willy Wonka probably had signed the dotted line by the time that was done and only seen Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory and then disagreed with doing any more so maybe that was the last thing before he decided to agree anything else I don't know I mean that's but a good question. Again, th- these are questions we would have. Lo- I mean, we would like to have asked, but you know, she's obviously got school children around her, and uh, we didn't want to bother her. Or yeah, she like was that, like so, around yeah. the area where the school children would be for their field trips, and she was talking about like you know the you know this is the chair that Roald Dahl sat in, and where he came up with all of his classic books, and and you know the the museum is not just like oh this is supposed to be like um a, basically like a a reflection on Roald Dahl's life, but it's also for the children where they get to create their own stuff there's actually like sections of 
the museum where you can draw, where you can do stop motion, where you can write. They want this to be a major center point for creativity for children. I mean, in regards to all the I just remember now in the BFG, they actually have an exhibit where you can like you know you can record your dream in there, and they would they would, they would uh, call you know read the dream back to you. Oh, that's so, right. So yeah, that, that was that exhibit. So I mean, the BFG does play a, a, a bit of a role in the museum, which I'm really happy to actually see because the BFG is like one of my favorite 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 stories. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so, um, I mean, also there's the Matilda statue outside, so if you get yes. a chance of that, I mean, it has got some battle damage on it, I will, I will admit, but, you know, because obviously the kids have been playing on it and everything like that, so, like, uh, but, so, you know, like, it's still an impressive statue regardless of that, so, like, uh, I do agree, and the fact that we were able to take a picture right in front of it was also, like, a showcase that, you know, Matilda is just as a big of an icon for Roald Dahl books as, say, James Trotter or even Charlie Bucket or Willy Wonka. Uh, speaking of which, we even actually, uh, you know, one of the first things that we actually saw when we were entering the museum is that you get to measure yourself on how tall you are compared to Roald Dahl and every character written in a Roald Dahl book. It's like, okay, if you stand right here, are you as tall as, say, an Oompa Loompa or you're going to be as tall as the BFG? And uh, for me, I was as tall as an actual Wonka, which whatever <laughs> that means. I'm probably am as tall as Mrs. Twist, apparently, yeah. so that's how tall I am. But, uh, you know, um, one thing I noticed that you know they mentioned that you know uh, the 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 BFG is as tall as a giraffe, which I'm like uh, you know no don't get me wrong like in different incarnations of the BFG obviously like his measurements have never been like really well known. I mean like uh, in Cosmic Fall he's like he's like two stories tall pretty right. much like it, but then in like uh, the book version he's a bit smaller than that, and I think then in the uh, the Disney version he's actually way taller than oh, that. Oh, much taller, much yes. taller than that. Yeah, like you know, he's otherworldly. You know, effectively when you see him in in that movie, you know, compared to everybody else. But I mean. Um, um, in regards to uh, you know how tall we are, in regards to World Doll, we're not taller than him. By no, no, no. He is six, six foot five. five. <laughs> yeah, he was a tall guy. And considering that his femur, when they were able to you know remove it, and they said that was the biggest femur that they've ever removed, it's like yeah, that that, that just goes. It's also it's like what, what, what would we compare it to? Like the size of like a, um, a baseball or something. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, I'm mean, just, uh, so I think, I mean, here's the thing about this, though, is, like, if you're gonna come just for the museum, I mean, you're only coming for, like, you know, probably one-tenth of, like, you know, uh, what you want to see when you go to Great Missenden, because, you know, you go through the museum, you then come out, and then, on top of that, you can just go around the village and, uh, see, uh, different things. And, by the way, this, uh, person that we, t- who knew Roald Dahl actually gave us some points about where the gypsy house actually was, and we, yes. and would you believe it, everybody, we actually saw the gypsy house. We did. Yeah, and uh, by the way, we want to give privacy to everybody, you know, because, like, you know, we're, we're going to get... If we, I'm, One thing I'm a bit fearful is that when we do this podcast and, like, tourists are going to come flooding into Great Mizzard and, like, you know, trying to find stuff and everything like that. You know, we, like, uh, you know, we want to respect people's privacy while doing this. But, uh, so, we um, we saw the house and, uh, you know, we have to say that uh, it's still in keeping for what we remember from the Gypsy House and what we can see. Yep. And also, right now, it's uh, currently going through some renovations at the moment from what I can see. Yeah. So, so we, we didn't see outside of that. We no. so we just went on to look at other uh, stuff. By the way, if you're asking if we spoke to like any long lost relatives of like you know Roald Dahl, we we haven't done anything none of like that, that stuff. Yeah. So like we were literally tourists, you know, 
know, just coming here just to kind of like see things and then, you know, just uh, do some fun things there and uh, just have a look around the area and just kind of get, get an idea of what was going through Roald Dahl's mind when he was like, you know, how, what inspired him to basically, you know, make all these creations that we all know. And they, they, like, you know, we were just there just to kind of see where Roald Dahl had walked. And uh, I have to say, you know, going going around through this wonderful place of Great Mr. you know, all the wonderful... Everyone, everyone there says hello to you. Yes, they the do. Way. Like, they are the most friendliest souls. Like, I've not had that since I went to the American South and went to some of the smaller places where everyone says hello and goodbye and things like that. You know, very, you know, very respectful, wonderful people. And I have to say that other people are great missed and they are the most wonderful souls I've ever met. I agree. You know, they, they really are terrific people. So I want to say a big thank you. If you are, if you're in great missed by the way, and you're listening to the podcast, shout out to you. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, we, we, we love you. So, you know, great, great things with that. Um, so, um, so continuing on with our journey, so um, we walked around the village, and uh, we also saw the uh, Great Mrs. Abbey as well, uh, and so that's now no longer an abbey anymore, it's actually a hotel and actually a, uh, a conference center as well, mm-hmm. so, but they, the staff there were very nice, they allowed us to walk around and uh, see, like, all the uh, all the things there, and uh, also they allowed us to see, like, the big massive garden that's there too, and my goodness, I, you know, at one point, I was nearly thinking, oh, I really wish that's, you know, while we were in London, we actually stayed in Great Mrs. rather than staying in uh, where we were but uh, but then we saw the uh, prices of like you know what it is to stay for one night and it was like yeah you know no, no thank you yeah but uh, you know uh, and by the way if you do can afford you know staying over at uh, you know Mrs. and Abbey you know, we do we do agree it's a really nice wonderful place it is and so you know we do uh, you know give a shout out to everybody there to uh, go go see that if you can afford to do so um, so then, um, as we're looking at all of that, seeing the wonderful venue, and uh, we just had a nice walk around. By the way, like, uh, the, uh, the benches around the area are actually, you know, where they, I think they are named after, like, you know, uh, words actually within Roald Dahl's book. So, like, yes. um, yeah, so, like, uh, that was a pretty cute little thing to do. Yeah, like fantabulous and uh, various other words where, you know, people who are just sitting on benches right outside can be able to still feel the influence of Roald Dahl. Mm-hmm. And I, I think another thing that we saw when we were walking around was uh, Whitehead Lane, which was this beautiful um, nature walkway where, you know, Roald Dahl was able to get so many inspirations for a lot of his books, especially Danny the Champion of the World, where Danny describes about, like, being outside the gypsy caravan and smelling the the, the grass in the air and being able to take it all in, or even with Fantastic Mr. Fox, in which, like, you know, he's outside and he's able to just, like, look past past what the countryside is and being able to just like take it all in any mentions of the countryside were inspired more or less from just those specific places in great missedom uh, other places that we unfortunately were not able to make um you know uh, over to because we were running out of time were the train station that Roald Dahl would like travel to and from and the post office where he would get like five or four or five thousand letters a week from children. We were not able to go to those places, but we pretty much walked around a good part of Great Missident and got the idea. I mean, we nailed the main spots effectively. We did. Yeah. And so, and by the way, if you go out there and you uh, travel by car, I mean, uh, parking's very cheap as well. Like for four hours, it's only like £2.40 mm-hmm. pretty much. So like, you know, that's a bargain effectively. So it's not like in London where, you know, you're paying like, you know, a ton of money just to park your car 
or like yeah. earthquake congestion charge or anything like that. So, you know, like a great Macedon is a good place to visit. And uh, they do have places that you can stay. Actually, there's a funny enough, there were people that were like coming in and, you know, coming in with like, you know, overnight bags and things like that. Like, you know, people were staying there. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's a great place because, you know, where there's also like, you know, areas around the countryside where you can walk and stuff like that. So, like, and also there's viewpoints as well where you can just see like, yeah, out into the countryside and stuff. And just what, looking at all of that, like, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, oh, it's, it's a place where your mind can just open up. I, it doesn't surprise me that Roald Dahl wrote several books in that place. It really doesn't. Yeah. From 1953 or four up until his death, he wrote some of his most iconic books there in that specific little town. And he was able to get all the inspiration from that and you can see why the town is very quaint it's very quiet and the, there's a lots of greenery the people are very friendly and you could see that he was able to just jot down any ideas that he had and putting it into his works and even with his own garden you know at, at his home he was able to get things for SEO trot and even when he went out uh, hunting you know he got ideas from both Danny the champion of the world and fantastic Mr. Fox the library for Matilda the uh, petrol station for Danny the Champion of the World, all of that stuff. Like, he was able to get, like, little snippets of his own personal life and a combination of where he lived into his works. Very similar to Charles Dickens when we were at the Charles Dickens Museum, where his experiences in London were able to craft some of his books, like Oliver Twist and Nicholas Nickleby, David Copperfield, A Christmas Carol. Like, the, the descriptions especially that were prominent in that museum was the, um, the effects of the pollution in the air at London during that time period so that was a prevalent thing while Roald Dahl's prevalent thing on his books was definitely like the quiet nature and all the you know all the trees and the the grass and all the things that he was able to like drink in while he was at the countryside where he was able to write some of his best books and you when you visit Great Missedent you can definitely tell that a lot of this stuff you know pretty much was like from the pages to like experience and I think that that's a, a great thing that you, if you want to be able to experience a true Roald Dahl experience, you have to go to Great Missenden. Oh, definitely. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, that was pretty much our journey to Great Missenden, pretty much. And uh, so um, it's a lovely little village. It's got a lovely little museum in it. And uh, there are plenty of places that you can go and visit. You can get it done during a day. Definitely. Absolutely, yeah. You can get it done during a day and you'll be able to accomplish so much. You'll be able to see so many attractions. And also you'll be able to, you know, eat at uh, Matilda's um, cafe if you want to. And we recommend as well, like, you know, the burgers there were delicious. And uh, they do these lovely Oreo milkshakes as well, which we uh, had. And uh, yeah, like, uh, if I had the choice to uh, go back regularly, I would. I would too. It was really nice. And also the the servers were really nice there too. Yeah, they, they were brilliant. Everyone there was nice. You Absolutely. Know, like, they, 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 you know, uh, it's funny because you know, for a place that probably has been, you know, uh, a site for, you know, let's be honest, Roald Dahl uh, brings in, I can imagine brings in quite a lot of tourists there. Definitely brings in a lot of school children because it is an educational place as well. So, like, uh, you know, we ask people around, like, saying, you know, oh, how many school children do you see? They say, they say, they say loads, loads of school kids, you know, going there to, like, you know, because obviously it's an educational museum and everything like that. And, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, they saw us, you know, they must get loads of tourists to come in, but, you know, they treat everyone so nicely they do. over there. And, uh, 
you know, so, um, you know, it, it, I, we, we highly recommend, you know, is like, no, not just because we're fans of Roll Doll, but because, you know, just, just as like, you know, a place that you can go and, uh, you know, you just get treated really, really nicely. Yeah. You know? And, and the last thing that we did right before we left the museum was we went to the gift shop and we actually got t-shirts for Roll Doll, um, quotes and all that kind of stuff because they were 50% off. And so I have a Willy Wonka golden ticket t-shirt. Because I've got a golden ticket. No, I shouldn't really <laughs> sing that song, really. But uh, yeah, and uh, my shirt. So you want to read everyone? Yes, uh, his shirt says, make sure everything you do is so completely crazy, it's unbelievable. I'm wearing this to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. But... Uh, yeah, so um, we're very happy that we went. You know, yeah. we, we really are. And uh, so, if you get a chance to go over there yourself, then uh, yeah, just uh, say uh, good morning, a good a good afternoon to everybody, and uh, you know, just uh, be as friendly as possible. And uh, you know, uh, go visit the museum. Uh, go, you know, go visit the cafe over there. And uh, yeah, just uh, have a really wonderful and whimsical time. Absolutely. And so that is it for our episode of the Roll Doll Retrospective. I know it's a little bit unorthodox considering that we weren't talking about a movie, but this is like literally the closest thing to Roll Doll's life and experience that we've ever had on this show. And we were so thrilled to be a part of it. So, yeah, we don't know what the next Roll Doll movie is going to be and when it's going to be coming out, but whatever it's going to be, we hope that you'll stay tuned. Yeah, well, I believe, uh, don't we have like Wonka you know, coming out? Oh, that's that right. Yes, we have two movies. That's, now that I just remember, two yeah. movies are coming out this year. It's Wonka and The Wonderful World of Henry Sugar. So, yeah, uh, Wonka's definitely going to be the big one, obviously, because it's a major Hollywood production and Timothy Chalamet is going to be Willy Wonka and it's a prequel story about how Willy Wonka opened up his chocolate factory we all know that every time that you know anything charlie and the chocolate factory related comes out with the exception of the tom and jerry version it's going to make a lot of money but we, we've seen in the past that roll doll adaptations don't make any money at all they underperform badly at the box office but who knows maybe this one will be the one to get people's um, eyeballs glued in and then of course there's the wonderful world of henry sugar which is going to have benedict cumberbatch as henry sugar and it's going to be written and directed by wes anderson i mean sure, sure i mean obviously i know fantastic mr fox didn't perform as well as they would hope to do but uh, you know uh, i hopefully henry sugar hopes to give us I mean, even then if it doesn't perform well it should be you know you're wes anderson you got benedict cumberbatch i mean you're some really crazy people involved in this at least it should be good yeah i'm hoping so and it, that's all we know for now i know that there was some other stuff with netflix but again due to a lot of the stuff that's happening in netflix recently we still haven't heard anything about like the twits or the taika waititi's uh charlie and the chocolate factory and oompa loompa animated series so that's still up in the air for now but until then we hope to see you around soon and take care bye bye <laughs> Thank you.